Long story is I uh, started college, uh, lost my father to a heart attack, and had to find a job to pay for school. And I was fortunate enough to, to be taken under the wing of one of the most prolific surgeon entrepreneurs of the 20th century. We actually executed two more M&A transactions last year. For that purpose, to acquire to, talent? To, well, actually, it was to acquire, basically to advance and accelerate a set of capabilities that would take you much longer to build or, or, or develop in-house. All right, here we go. This is the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. Today's episode is with Dr. James Malt, founder and CEO of BioIntellisense, creators of the BioButton, a medical grade wearable device for continuous remote monitoring. This is way more than your Apple Watch or Aura Ring. The BioButton has some pretty amazing medical tracking and reporting functions, even measuring your body position and analyzing gait all to enable personalized patient care and maybe even reduce skyrocketing medical expenses. So, hey, want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Jim and BioIntellisense were introduced to me by my friend Elise Blazevich at the Colorado Bioscience Association and her PR team at Primavera after BioIntellisense was named the Bioscience Association's 2022 Company of the Year. So with all that, Jim, mm-hmm. Glad you're here on Proco 360. Dave, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, now... Been looking I, forward to this. Yes, and so have I, especially because I don't get to do enough biotech. So this is really something I've been looking forward to. And um, so I gave a quick overview, but I didn't get in a lot of detail because, frankly, I would have messed up. So give us yours. Well, from the perspective of of the founder and CEO, uh, BioIntelligence is really the the grand finale, uh, uh, for me at least, uh, of about a 20-year uh, endeavor, uh, shall we say, re- relentless pursuit of this idea that um, the way we've been monitoring and taking care of patients uh, fundamentally hasn't changed for about a century. A uh, hundred years ago, uh, uh, in the hospital, a nurse was paid to walk around room to room and check a little bit of information mm-hmm. once every six or eight or 12 hours. Or more frequently if they need to wake you up. Or, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Another problem we'll talk yeah. about. And so, you know, every other sector of our our lives, whether it's you know, banking industry, travel industry, shopping, you know, over the past 20 years has has leveraged technology to be able to deliver a far better service, uh, both in terms of cost and efficiency and customer satisfaction. Uh, Everybody wins. The only two sectors of our existence that haven't yet evolved from a hundred-year-old kind of uh, practice is the healthcare industry and the education industry. We won't, we'll we leave won't them go. alone, yeah. 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 But in healthcare, so BioIntelligence, to you know, cut to the chase, is really the ability to, to bring healthcare into the next era of, of better data at a fraction of the cost, lower labor cost, but 
but better care. Effectively, the way we've been taking care of patients for yeah. the last hundred years is standard of care, yeah. but it's not that good. Yeah, you know, I think there are lots of people in medicine that would argue that medicine has evolved in a positive and accelerating way for the last generation. You don't agree? I think we've made great strides in in certain areas. Like surgical technique, robotic surgery. You, uh, you're, you're like I, not, because your background is a cardiothoracic surgeon, I'm right? I'm a cardiothoracic so, surgeon. Um, all right, I may be getting us off track a little bit. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna, we're gonna come back to that because I'm getting okay. us off track. I want right. to talk about the data that you measure because you measure at least 18 types of data that you're collecting um, and things that you'd expect, things like temperature, heart rate, you know, things that you can get easily. But talk about some of the things that I wasn't expecting. Things like uh, important analysis that you can do from gait or from uh, step symmetry, like. Okay. Things that we wouldn't expect, I think, without understanding. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I will defer that for a moment, but ha! let's talk about the things that you think are are mundane and routine and common. Which the ones is I mentioned, temperature, temperature pulse, heart rate, or, yeah. and respiratory rate. Yeah. Well, again, here is the misconception. Uh, it turns out when we're talking about people in the hospital, uh, again, we are paying a human being to walk around room to room once every right. six hours and manually measure heart rate and respiratory rate and temperature. And they don't do it all that well. We're very... Come on, aren't those machines all automated? You slap something on their arm, you press a button, it comes back with a reading. Isn't that not okay? It, it It's just not that good because there's, there's things like st- statisticians will tell you sampling error. Yeah. So if you just walk into a room and you do a flyby, yeah, you do it and, once, and, and I yeah, took yeah. a snapshot. It yeah. turns out that can be very misleading, and and overlook the bigger picture of what's happening to that person. Mm-hmm. So the first concept is is the big breakthrough between intermittent snapshots mm-hmm. versus continuous monitoring. Is that a big difference really? I oh mean, it... my gosh, night and day. Because unfortunately, if you check on somebody once every 6 hours, they once in a while die in between huh. those 6 huh. hours. And it's sad. No, you know, patient looked great 6 hours ago. Uh-oh, hmm. something went really bad and we didn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, if if you're and then when you go home, yeah, we send people home from the hospital, you know, five days after open heart surgery, with no monitoring. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what's happening. You just have a, a, a medical professional show up periodically and take and test their vitals at home. Do they? No. Oh no. All right. No. No. So hence the need. <laughs> All right. So um. So, so you've done a nice so, show. Go ahead. Wait. Let me finish. So then it comes down to. The measurement of those parameters, sadly, in fact, this is well published. If you if you wanted to know, if you could only know one vital sign of all the vital signs, pulse. No, I'm just telling you. Oh, pick all the I vital signs. I was guessing signs. one. I don't know. I thought this was, you were asking me a question. <laughs> which which vital sign would would give you the most reliable indication of of patient? Uh, deterioration somebody that's that's going the wrong direction and you got 
pulse oximetry and EKG and blood pressure and temperature and respiratory rate and heart rate. Well, it turns out in huge studies, hundreds of thousands of patients, overwhelmingly far and away, the most important thing you could actually measure is respiratory rate. That's your breathing rate. Unfortunately, it's probably the hardest thing to actually measure on patients, especially even in the hospital, because they've got a blanket over them and it's a dark room. And it's very subtle to try to watch somebody's chest yeah, moving yeah. up and down. And so we all admit to it from medical school and nursing school. We actually write down a number. And so it's actually published. 77% of respiratory rate measures recorded in the electronic medical record are either 16 or 18 breaths per minute. So now we talk about the bio <laughs> button. The bio button is actually measuring heart rate yeah. with a clinical accuracy of better than 2% of EKG, respiratory rate with a clinical accuracy of better than 2%. So what you've got is something that can now make these measurements with no effort. So it's just yep, a little yep. sticker. And then it can do that every minute, every hour throughout the day and create the ability to see a trend, which is far more powerful oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. now we can say, hey, wait a minute, this patient is they're breathing faster and faster over mm. the last two hours. Mm. Somebody needs to go check on them. And this changes everything. It's called exception management. Mm. And what exception management does, just like in in the cockpit of a of sure. a commercial airline, those pilots aren't actually watching each piece of data. They've got this thing called the autopilot system. Yeah. And the autopilot system is taking in all that data every yeah, second. It manages by exception. And, and, right. and it says, hey, you've got an anomaly. Yep. Pay attention to this. So, all right. That's pretty interesting because I, I actually didn't give your product enough credit because I didn't understand this notion of trend monitoring and, and, and measurement over time in yeah. ways that are different from intermittent checks. That's kind of cool. All right. Now talk about the gait analysis. Okay. Though. So, you know, we've got these vital signs, but what, what you want ideally, if you could, is a composite picture of what is happening to an individual. So as an example, we had a large experience during COVID where the bio button was being applied in, in actually screening people for an infectious disease. In fact, some countries were using it as a basis of, of gaining entry into the country mm, based yeah. on whether our bio buttons were showing changes in temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate. But what's funny is when, not funny, but when somebody gets sick, they stop moving around. You lay on the couch when you're spiking a fever. So you get all this signal, mm -hmm. and the signal includes, in this device, the ability to know at all times what your body position is. So we can tell, because this is a sticker on the chest, yeah. uh, unlike a wrist-based device where you really can't tell. Well, you can, it, when you're drinking beer, it counts your steps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So with this, it's, it's, it's glued to your, yeah. to your chest wall. So at all times we know 
the what's front, back, left, right, up, and down. So you could, if somebody happens to then be uh, having a condition that that makes them walk funny, or oh, something, absolutely, you can monitor that, right? Um, or I, 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 inebriated, or, or that too, <laughs> yes. Or maybe they've been taking steps through a mug, or what but, we call fall risk when you start talking about mm. people who who are elderly. Uh, or have you know a drug reaction? We can see what's called their gait symmetry. Mm-hmm. We can see if somebody's developing a, a a problem in their hip or their knee because of their gait cool. changing over time. That's super cool. All right, I I would I would love to talk more about. <laughs> I've got this whole outline. All right, so it's right, going to go, go past the features of 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 uh, the bio button because. You've got so much interesting in your background, so I'm going to force us to move on past okay. the actual functionality, which is super cool. Sure. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You got that, uh, Brandon? Um, so you've created four or five other medical devices and med tech companies in the past. And with that experience, I'm really interested in how you looked at BioButton. Like when you were getting ready to build it, did you have a time expectation, a time horizon around which you thought, yeah, from this, I've got this idea. This is how long it's going to take. Well, it's, it's always starting with a vision, right? And, and for me, again, this dates back 20 years, uh, as a cardiac surgeon where, uh, you know, I was involved in doing heart and lung transplants. And here in Denver, sending somebody home after a heart or lung transplant could be as far away as North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. We have a very uh, broad uh, uh, coverage. And and it's hard looking in the eyes of the patient and the family, uh, knowing you're going to go from all of this care and attention to good luck, you're on your own, here's an appointment to come back and see us. So remote patient monitoring or this concept of how do you, how do you keep an eye on somebody and, and, and get reasonably objective yeah. data uh, when they're not there in front of you or in the hospital. So that was the vision. That was the vision. Okay. And so started a series of companies, uh, 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 admittedly 20 years ago, with the, you know, I'm dating both of us probably, the Palm Pilot, and uh, actually created a company that developed the first software for the Palm Pilot, which was the first real mobile uh, right, right. computer. And the ability for that device to, to connect to a medical device to be able to hmm. capture the data and then upload it to this God, thing. that seems forever uh, ago. It, oh, it was. Yes. So now think about with the bio button itself. Right. You decided, okay, I'm going to create this device. It's going to get affixed to a person. Like how long did it take you from the time you thought this is something we, I want to do to something that you actually had working? Well, I was, I was an executive at Qualcomm. I was the chief medical Mm. officer. And, and that was through the acquisition of a, of another company that I, I, I had founded. And while at Qualcomm, Starting in 2012, that was kind of the inception of the the whole wearables craze. Mm-hmm. And so, for better or worse, Qualcomm builds the chipsets that are in a lot of these uh, wearables. And so, I I really got involved in in watching this this epiphany around being able to capture data from the human body 
without any effort. And, and this is really, again, a key consideration is, you know, again, 20 years ago, when you send somebody home from the hospital and you want to monitor them, it's a box of equipment and you say, yeah, yeah. here, patient and family, we need you to make these measurements on yourself. And it's hard. They didn't go to medical school or nursing school. So fast forward to the, you know, the Fitbits and the Garmin watches and so forth. The, the real observation was, wow, that's cool because we're getting all this data continuously. Yeah. And it's going someplace easily. And it's going someplace to the cloud. So yep. there are a lot of things that had to kind of progress. But you finally had this, this moment where now... What if we took the next step and turned that into what we call medical-grade wearables? Uh, yeah. And this is a very important distinction. Well, I want to ask about that. First, I want to mention to our listeners, remind everyone, this is ProCo360, named Best Colorado Business Podcast in 2021 and 2022. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Dr. James Malt of BioIntelligence. Thanks to sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Steve Kinsley and Kinsley Meetings has been ProCo360's longest-running sponsor. Sponsor. The business is growing based on a great reputation for conducting meetings that have lots of moving parts. So give them a call. Also, my friends at Via Technologies, thanks to them for hosting ProCo 360 and all the great help that the team gives me around managing this very data heavy website. And finally, Pro, uh, Finally, uh, Colorado Biz Magazine, our partnership is one where we're building our audiences together. Please go to Proco360.com and check out these sponsors. And you know, I, I want to fast forward a little bit, um, and I want to ask you, because because the, for the framework of where, where I want to go, short answer to a difficult question, how long from concept <laughs> to delivery of a bio button? So, I, coming out of, at the end of Qualcomm, it was clear that wearables were going to enable this effortless continuous monitoring. Uh, the other thing that that is a necessary requirement, uh, probably in any health system, is you can have the world's greatest gadget or medical technology, but you got to find somebody that's going to pay for it. Yeah. So I, I actually so got price involved. point had to be a big deal. Not price point. Not pr really? Reimbursement. Ah, yes. Yeah, Reimbursement. Yeah, yeah. That's right. When it comes to consumer products, it's price point. When it comes to medical care, it's reimbursement. The ability to get paid by insurance. By the insurance companies, yep. most notably Medicare, which sure. is the largest insurance payer. So for better or worse, I was involved uh, uh, in a number of ways in driving the creation of reimbursement for what's called remote patient monitoring. Okay, now I am having trouble getting an answer to my question. I'm not, okay, so so, so all of these yeah. all of these stars aligned ah. in 2018 and that was kind of the moment to say, okay, now everything ah. the stage is set. Yeah. So, knowing that this reimbursement was going to to suddenly come to fruition. Yep. I needed to move quickly. And so starting a company from scratch with 
employee number one, uh, there's a lot of work to kind of build a team. So for better or worse, along the way, I had I had come to know a just a brilliant team in the consumer wearable space uh-huh. who had mastered power management and data science and high quality, low cost, uh, scalable manufacturing. I said, that is the starting point. So I actually executed an M&A transaction at the huh. inception of BioIntelliSense that gave me a team that had 10 years experience wow. in sensors and power management. So and so use your own money to buy the team to, to, to build this product quickly. Well, yes. And, <laughs> and uh, so we started from a blank sheet of paper, but with a team that had the, the domain expertise yeah. and, and key know-how. So from that moment, I said, I knew exactly what we wanted. I said, I want something this size, has this battery life, can measure all this stuff. But there's a big difference between being a consumer product and being an FDA-regulated medical device company. Apple doesn't have to have the FDA approve their watch, right? Uh, We could talk about toys versus medical devices. Exactly, right. So, And it's a problem because they go out of their way to – to kind of convey themselves as a health product. Yes. But oh, it's fallen yeah. on its face when it comes to actual medical care. But we'll, we'll defer that. I'm going to answer okay. your question, which is <laughs> we started with a blank sheet of paper, yeah. but we had to put this team inside of what's called a quality management system, which is all of the the discipline and documentation of a medical device company, which mm-hmm. is a very different level of burden uh, and and safety and reliance sure. and so forth. But they they took to it, uh, you know, just brilliantly. And within six months, we had working prototypes. We wow. entered into FDA clinical validation studies. And we submitted to the FDA within 12 months of the inception of the company. And we had our first FDA clearance less than 18 months. Wow. And that's unprecedented you in know, my experience. You know, it is. What's yeah. so interesting is that I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed five years. I'm, oh, I, that's I, typical. Yeah. And I'm, in, for, I'm, in, uh, I'm friendly with a, a biotech company, and they've got a medical device, and they're on years and years and years. And it's just – it's brutal. Now, but what's interesting about your strategy is that you bought – an entire team that could execute starting from day one. Yeah. That is interesting. Very cool. And, and, and I've, I've found that to be, in fact, we've done, you know, as a startup company, it's unusual, but we actually executed two more M&A transactions last year. For that purpose? To acquire to, talent? To, well, actually, it was to acquire, basically to advance and accelerate a set of capabilities that would take you much longer to build or 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 develop in house. That's super cool. Very and and you know obviously. You now you don't have the cash. You gotta have. No, no, no. What you have to do is convince them. Uh, that they're better uh, off being part of you. Exactly. That's exactly right. And 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 it's true. I mean, because what each of these. Smaller companies, and they're arguably small startup companies, yeah, yeah. you know, five, ten employees. 
but we saw their technology as something really, really special, and it was a perfect complement to, to kind of the bigger picture of what we were building. And you know, again, it has to be have to work. But for they both saw parties. they saw merging into biointelligence as a fast track to achieve what they wanted to as well, and a, and a, a bigger market opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, I'm going to ask you a very tricky question. It's going to be a complicated one, but I don't. <laughs> I I want to. I've got so much I want to talk with you about. But here's my question for you: Data management in healthcare is a freaking nightmare. You know, everybody's got different data management systems and all that stuff, but you've got to push data from BioButton into multiple systems. Mm -hmm. Is there some kind of architecture that helps you do that efficiently? Absolutely. And and, uh, it goes a little bit back to my background in between a couple of these companies. uh, I was the... the, uh, Chief Medical Officer of a little company called Microsoft. Oh yeah, uh, heard of that one. And we created really, literally the first cloud-based electronic health record. And so that was in 2006, 2007. They're probably not much better, are they? I don't know. <laughs> People, everybody I know in medicine bitches about their reti- their medical re- electronic medical oh, records. electronic medical records. Uh, the side story on that is everybody dislikes them because they were never architected to help you take care of patients. Yeah. Electronic yeah. medical records came into existence for one sole purpose, which was documenting Liability. no, oh. documenting information yeah. for the purpose of submitting a bill. <laughs> Doctors got paid yeah. from using an EMR. Yeah. So does this does your software or does your data facilitate that or So we, uh, and by again, the way, can you charge for the data or do you just charge for the, you know, can you charge for regular monitoring? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So w- w- we are all about a data service. We are a clinical intelligence engine. Ah, so your financial model is around continuous data flow, not exactly. around buying a button. We are not selling a widget. So, uh, so our customers actually sign up for it's a subscription, a subscription service. So I can and have button, Peloton. I can buy my Peloton wearing your button, and everybody wins. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> ah, well, it's like a cell phone yeah. service. You sign up for the data plan. We'll give you this. The, but these data the plans, some of them are just like for a week or a month, and others so this, are forever. For the hospital, is a twelve-month data plan per bed per year. I see. Uh, ah. Once a patient leaves the hospital, then it's per patient per month which is the basis on which the insurance companies reimburse. So a hospital can submit a CPT code for mon- data monitoring stuff, or is, the there, or is it incorporated into their bulk? Their it's, it, yeah, they get paid on a, on a, per patient, per a capitated basis. Capitation, what a strange word in uh, medical care. I think of decapitation. Like that, can't, <laughs> that can't be right. But back to the data. Yeah. It, it is kind of the conundrum uh, and bane of everybody's existence. Uh, and so for better or worse, again, through this journey, I've, I've come to see uh, ways of solving various challenges and then bringing that into the party. Yeah, so, but you bring it, you buy it into the party, well, which I think is partner, quite interesting. Or partner. or partner. Yeah. So one of these is, is a remarkable uh, data exchange engine it uh, used to be known as Rhapsody and CorePoint. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's combined as Lineate. And so this is a basically an, 
an interface engine that right, allows... it converts data to match whatever else it's going yeah, to do. It used to be called a, data warehousing years ago. I don't no, know. it's no? it's a universal translator. Oh, universal translator. Got where, it, yeah. Warehousing is kind of storage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What this is doing is just mapping data Got so it. that it comes from our system and lands into their system. Where it belongs. In the right place. Yeah. Hey, one more one more reminder to listeners. This is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. This episode is with Dr. James Malt of BioIntelligence. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. All right, I want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, first of all, how do you go from being a cardiothoracic surgeon to being an entrepreneur? Well, uh I guess now this can't old, be a long story. We have like five yeah, minutes the, left. The old adage is the uh, uh uh, invention is uh, uh, the necessity, necessity is, is the, the mother, mother invention. invention. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, uh, long story is I uh, started college, uh, lost my father to a heart attack, and had to find a job to pay for school. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to to be taken under the wing of one of the most prolific surgeon entrepreneurs of the 20th century, who became my mentor and second father, and really inspired me to to build crazy contraptions, and, huh. and he invented something called ECMO, which is known around the world as a life-saving technology that's saved millions of lives. I never heard of it. I, I suppose that there must be a term that people like you know, surgeon entrepreneurs. There you but go. But I suppose that's where a lot of other kinds of medical devices get created. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, interesting. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, this episode of Proco 360 is in collaboration with the Colorado Bioscience Association and BioIntelligence won Company of the Year last year. Congrats. That's huge. Thank you. Uh, and It was there, a great honor. Yeah. And there are other amazing Colorado companies. And to me, that's super impressive and exciting. But talk about Colorado as your home, as sort of the emerging space for bioscience. Has it been the right place for you at BioIntelligence? Without question. I mean, I, I moved here in 1997 uh, after finishing my, my training at Duke and and started uh, a company in 1998 uh, hmm. that we ended up taking public on the NASDAQ and was, you know, one of the one of the Colorado IPO, Colorado what based was it IPOs. It was called Healthy Tech. Huh. And it was another device. Data, yeah. And that's the one that had the Palm Pilot. Uh, oh, gosh. And, and so this succession of of projects and and companies have have really been uh, a, a Colorado inspiration, and it's a great environment. You you have you have kind of all the elements you want. Plus, it's much easier to recruit talent to Colorado, even more so now than than California ever was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, it's a great place to live. Great place to raise a family. Uh, it's affordable, uh, even. Yeah, I hope it stays that way. In relative terms, yeah, yeah, yeah for uh, sure. But uh, even for tech talent. Yeah. Now I'm gonna uh, forgive me for asking this question. I just have to because healthcare boggles my mind, and so I got to ask you this, Jim. So many medical devices and treatments have an objective of preventing disease and intervening to prevent higher treatment costs. And you know, with the entrenched systems in healthcare that we have, they're almost intractable, and the substantial trends towards worse health uh, driven by human behavior, right? I mean, can we really make a dent in this trend? We don't have a choice. I mean, we are, we are headed for uh, 
uh, frankly, a, a disaster of biblical proportions right now. Uh, our healthcare system is is nearly bankrupt. Uh, the Medicare trust fund is out of money by the end of this decade, if not sooner. And we're on a trajectory where we're paying uh, twice as much per capita for health care in the United States than any other country in the world. Well, you say we have to. We have to fix this. But do you see any signs that we are? Oh, uh, without question. Uh, and that's the whole point is, is we are about to see, we will look back on this decade 50 years from now, and this will be one of the most profound moments in the history of human health. And I, you can name them, immunization, oh. anesthesia, the x-ray machine, uh, antibiotics, and actually Lipitor. Yeah, but those and, are, even Lipitor is probably 30 years old, isn't it? So, it is, but, so, but something yeah. that has, has had an impact on, on global health, and it's really technology. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is, is moving healthcare out of a century-old tradition of practice to something that is that is that is technology based not technology replacing doctors or nurses yeah, but it's just like you have to just I'll use that analogy one more time in the cockpit of a commercial jet 50 years ago there were three human beings in that cockpit trying to watch 900 gauges and dials to keep that plane from crashing mm-hmm. And 50 years ago, you had one major commercial airline crash every million flights. And then in the late 80s and early 90s, this thing called the autopilot was Mm -hmm. introduced that was able to collect this data, watch it, let people know what was important, Mm -hmm. that exception management thing. Right, right. And you had airline safety move in, in short order to one crash in 25 million flights. Yeah, but I, I'm going to – I just remain so cynical about our ability to actually not improve treatment but prevent illness. Yeah, well, you, know? you have to look at the, – the reality is we're spending $3.4 trillion on health care in the United States per year and about 3.0 of that trillion – is taking care of people with cancer, taking care of people with heart disease, and so forth. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. And so that $400 billion is what we're spending on vitamins and hmm. fitness and, and weight loss. Yeah. So really what we have to focus on is how do we take – we've got an aging baby boomer population. Yeah. How do we keep these people out of the hospital – and because that's where it gets that's really, really, really yeah, expensive. Yeah, yeah. And how do we keep people out of the emergency room? Mm-hmm. Well, you do that by having real time data, better mm-hmm. data about mm-hmm. what's happening to you. And we can be able to see yeah. a problem developing and respond to that before yeah. it becomes a trip to the emergency so room. So even though we may not be befriending preventing health issues, we can better monitor them and keep the resi- the uh, resulting costs lower. It's still prevention because we are early identification of yeah. problem and bringing that to attention allows you, because that's where it gets really expensive. Yeah. And once we, we figure that out, yeah. then you'll have more money to move what we mm. call upstream 
to keeping people from developing cancer, to keeping people from developing high blood pressure. But right now, what's in our face is a trillion dollars of reaction. How do we do a better job of, of preventing this expensiveness? Yeah. All right. You and I'll have to talk about that again another time. All right. Uh, my last question for you is, because I'm a former entrepreneur, you're a serial entrepreneur, and so you're always seeing new opportunities on the horizon. You must be. So what's next? Uh, well, in healthcare, I think one of the, the, the great new breakthroughs is, you know, as a, a transplant uh, uh, background, I think xenotransplantation is going to become a reality over the next decade. That's You'll have to very exciting. That. Well, the problem with a lot of these diseases that become really, really expensive, like kidney disease, it's really expensive to have somebody on dialysis month after month, year after year. Mm-hmm. It's and heart failure is really expensive to treat. If we could give you a kidney transplant or give you a heart transplant, those are actually pretty inexpensive hmm. relative. What, what did you, what was the term, Zeno? So Zeno, so here's the deal is we have long lists of people waiting for a transplant. Right. We just don't have enough human donors. Right. So these the are artificially created? It's, it's Zeno meaning animal. Yeah. And yeah. so because of genomics, we're going oh, to be yeah. able to give those those hearts, those animal hearts, human antigens and be able to open the door to mm. transplantation wow. it becomes universal and routine huh. and not way e- i mean if you could do that inexpensively and reliably that's way cheaper oh my god better yes. outcomes I and would think. everybody everybody wow. benefits and and so that's pretty exciting stuff that's cool uh, you know and it's it's actually around the corner hmm Well, thanks for that. I'm going to wrap up on that positive (laughs) note. After all my cynicism around controlling healthcare costs, thank you for that upbeat ending. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Dr. James Malt of BioIntelligence. Jim, glad you could come and and, uh, A, help me better understand how data is collected and the value, and uh, also this... uh, what did you call it? Xenotransplant. Xenotransplant. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be watching Watch for, that. for that. Yes. Listeners, glad you're here on Procore 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Procore 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show sponsors via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.